Welcome to Rivers in the Desert International, a revival ministry dedicated to bringing the living waters of God's love to a hurting and dying world. It is our desire as you listen to the following message that the Holy Spirit will fill you afresh and that you would be ignited into a fervency for Jesus. This is the day to be filled with the knowledge of His glory as the waters cover the sea. God is doing something new on planet Earth today, and you and I have the great privilege to be a part of it. We love you. Be blessed. calling us up higher tonight, Lord. Abba, you're calling us up to another level. We thank you for what you've done the last few years in this current revival. But tonight, it's a crossroads. Tonight, we're stepping up. Each one of us in this facility, we're stepping up tonight. Uh, We have to break through the veil of the flesh and live behind the veil Oh, hallelujah. We thank you, Father, that what you've done in days gone by, the refreshing, the joy, the healings, the blessings, the answered prayer. But now that you have an answer, you desire intimate fellowship with us like never before. We are these vessels, mobile tabernacles, to bring this intimacy and the knowledge of the glory to the nation. Holy Ghost, we ask you to do whatever you want tonight, whomever you want, whenever you want, (laughs) however you want. This is the glorious way. And we thank you for it, Papa. In Jesus' name. If you have your Bibles tonight, let's turn to the book of Exodus. The book of Exodus, chapter 24. Glory to God, hallelujah. I'm excited, folks. I don't know what else to say. I'm not telling the pastor in the back. Anything could happen at any moment. And my job is to get you totally excited and hungry and thirsty and then get out of the way and let God do anything he wants. And I heard while we were doing that spontaneous worship there, I heard the Spirit speak to me and say, tell the people I love them and I know what they're going through. And that he wants to share intimate things behind the veil with them tonight. He wants to bring you to a place of deeper intimacy than you ever had before. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Exodus chapter 24 and verse 9 is probably one of my favorite passages in the book of Exodus. 
I'm reading for the New American Standard this week. Then Moses went up with Aaron, verse 9, Nadab, Abihu, and the 70 elders of Israel. And they saw the God of Israel, and under his feet there appeared to be a pavement of sapphire, as clear as the sky itself. Glory to God. Yet he did not stretch out his hands against the nobles of the sons of Israel, and they beheld God, and they ate and drank. I believe in a lot of sanctuaries in the days ahead, we'll have to remove the brass plates that says no food or drink in the sanctuary. I mean, God's going to show up. He's not going to leave at 12. He's going to be here for lunch and dinner and everything else. And so Moses went up to the mountain. Verse 12, God called him up to the mountain. Notice the 70 elders stayed behind. I want to be like Moses. I want to keep going up. Amen? Now the Lord said to Moses, come up on the mountain and remain there, and I'll give you the stone tablets with the law and the commandments which I've written for their instruction. And so God just wanted Moses to come up and hang out in the glory. It says in verse 15, then Moses went up for the mountain, and the cloud covered the mountain. Notice first that Moses obeyed. He drew near, and then God drew near. Tonight as we draw near to him, he's going to draw near to us. And the glory of the Lord rested on Mount Sinai, verse 16, and the cloud covered it for six days. On the seventh day, he called to Moses from the midst of the cloud. Notice that God created the heavens and the earth in six days. Seventh day, he rested. Moses was in that midst for six days. Something was happening. And after six days of waiting upon the Lord in that glory cloud, then God spoke. Hallelujah. And the eyes, to the eyes of the sons of Israel, the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a consuming fire on the mountaintop. And Moses entered the midst of the cloud as he went up to the mountain, and Moses was on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. Hallelujah. 40 is the number for testing in the Bible. There's something about allowing God to come and just purge us in this hour. Amen? Now the first thing that God spoke in the glory cloud, I thought for years and years, was that Rewrite the Ten Commandments. You broke it over the head of that golden calf. Come on up and give you some more commandments. But the first thing that God asks for is an offering. The first thing that happened in the glory realm was an offering. Verse 1 of chapter 25. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Tell the sons of Israel to raise a contribution for me. From every man whose heart moves him, you shall raise my contribution the original Hebrew says, a willing heart. Every person who has a willing heart, I want you to raise a contribution. And this is the contribution which you would raise for them. Gold, silver, and bronze. The blue, purple, scarlet material, fine linen, goat hair, ram skins dyed red, porpoise skins, sorry green piece, porpoise skins, acacia wood, oil for lighting, spices for anointing oil. And the fragrant incense, onyx stones, setting stones, the ephod, and the, and the breastplate. And let them construct a sanctuary for me that I may dwell among them. This is incredible, folks. Hallelujah. Here he's on the mountain. The glory of God is rumbling that place. Hallelujah. And God says, wait a minute. I want to come down off the mountain. I want to hang out with my people. And so Moses is given precise architectural renderings, a blueprint of the heavenly tabernacle or the tent of meeting. What, what's the tent of meeting for? For God just to be glorified? No. So he can hang out and meet with his people. 
And he says, whoever's heart moves him, whoever has a willing heart, to not just be with the seven elders or Moses, but whosoever wants to come up to the mount, whoever wants to meet with me, let him take up an offering. And I'm going to come down and dwell in your midst. Now the Hebrew word here for dwell in verse 8 says that I may dwell among them. It's the Hebrew word shahanti. It means to dwell, to, you know, to make an abode. It's also the Hebrew word shahun, which is a, um, a housing project in Israel today. And if you live in a housing project, people are really close to each other. You can hear Sister Berkowitz, you know, yelling at her kids. And it's amazing enough, you ever heard of the Shekinah glory? You ever heard of that? It's the same Hebrew root for the Shekinah glory of God. It's also the same Hebrew root for the word neighbor. Meaning, you're just not going to see me on the mountain and worship me. If you have a willing heart and paved the way for me to come, I own the gold and silver, I own everything, but whatever is precious to you and you give, you pave the way, I will come down and be as close to you as a housing project, as a neighbor. Hallelujah. And not just invisibly in my manifest glory. Hallelujah. Glory to God. <laughs> See, I'm addicted to the presence. Hallelujah. And verse 21, you shall put the mercy seat on top of the ark, and in the ark you shall put the testimony which I shall give to you. And there I will meet with you. I don't understand that all our whole society is taught against it. But there's something about giving a free will offering, a generous offering to the Lord. Whichever, maybe your tithes and offerings or a missions offering or giving alms to help people out. There's something about giving what is precious to you to bless somebody else that God's, God come, comes in on that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, folks. I just want to share what's been happening with us, and you can understand where my heart's at right now. I believe we're at the precipice of the greatest awakening we've ever seen in our civilization. Amen. I just don't say that out of desire or out of other people are saying it. I say it because we're experiencing a progressive manifestation of the glory of God in the meetings like never before. Hallelujah. Amen. We taught on this at, at a Bible school there in Tampa, and the glory started showing up Friday night. I mean, it started coming visibly. I could feel it coming. And somehow, it didn't really go the way that I was hoping it would go. Two days later, I'm in Daytona Beach now. It's uh, Bikers Week has just ended. 500 guys on Harleys have just left, so to speak. 500,000 guys and girls. <laughs> and we're in this small church in Daytona Beach. It's right in the middle of spring break is going on. And we start teaching these same topics. And this is the Word of God never, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And suddenly the little, sweet and small voice comes and says, Go now to the boardwalk. Go to the band shell where, the, where MTV plays every spring break. And go and be in, pull out the guitars and, and worship me. And it was such a gentle voice, sometimes you would just kind of you know, push it down and say, well, that's just me. But I've learned by experience that it's the Lord speaking. He comes in a still, small voice. Hallelujah. He comes in a real gentle whispering. Elijah missed it. Elijah was looking for the earthquake, the fire, the tornado, you know, the, the, the tempest. But God was in the gentle rustling among the leaves. Cold Ramah, just the sound of a gentle blowing. Not even a voice, it's just a... Hallelujah. And he said, go. So we got the church together. We went. We got to the boardwalk. And we're just there on the... On, on, all these spring breakers were trying to witness. And 
So the pastor pulls out the guitar and just begins to worship and worship. And I'm just saying to myself, Lord, we need something more than just passing on tracks to capture our generation. Our generation has heard so much preaching. We need a visible demonstration of what happened in the Old Testament, what happened in the book of Acts. We need it, Papa. Hallelujah. And I said, Lord, you know, signs follow the preaching of your word. And so I'm standing there, and the pastor's wife goes, Look! And I turn around, and there is a glory cloud hovering about 100 feet over our heads. And let me just tell you, the night is is a very, very strong trade wind coming off the Atlantic Ocean. The flags and all the hotels are just flapping crazily. There's not a, a cloud in the sky. And when I look up, and there's this mist, the strangest looking cloud we've ever seen. The whole church saw it, and it's just hovering there over us. It did not move the whole time we were there. And every person that came near us either got saved or ran away. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I wish we had a digital camera. I wish we had it to show you. And then as soon as we stopped worship after about an hour, it just gone instantly. The next week, fly to San Jose. It's in the first night of the services there. The church is on an a, a, a intersection. The church is a completely glass church. It's no walls, it's just all glass. And they purposely do that. They open up all the shutters so everybody driving by to this intersection can see inside the church. Coming home from the Silicon Valley, from HP headquarters and Yahoo headquarters and all that stuff going on out there. And so we're in the middle of the song, and the Lord says... That gentle voice comes again, blow the shofar now. I said, Lord, if I blow the shofar, the pastor may get a heart attack. He, doesn't, he never heard us blow this thing before. <laughs> it may scare the people. And it came again. Three times it came. I said, okay. Whoa! And when we blew the shofar, five seconds later, all the lights in the region went out. Except for the church. <laughs> and the pastor goes, huh? Because huh. you can see, cars, there's no street lights now. All the shopping centers out. It's pitch black outside now, except for the lights in the church. And people are inching up in their cars, looking in, in pitch blackness. And people, you know, the guy stops to worship. Whoa, look at this. And everybody starts celebrating. And I, I close my eyes saying, Lord, no, 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 no. Get your eyes off that. Get it back on him. Keep on worshiping. Because I knew he wanted to take us to a deeper realm. Hallelujah. And so what I'm trying to say is that it's getting stronger. Every week now, it's getting stronger. Hallelujah. And God's just looking for vessels to flow through. They don't want to touch the glory. They'll just allow the glory to flow. Hallelujah. Amen? Yes. Then this week, hallelujah. <laughs> There's a dear young man that we know that his father could have been the chief rabbi of Israel. And when he got born again, um, and we met with him many, many times when we pastored in Brooklyn, we finally shipped him off to Bible school. And... He put on Levi's for the first time. It's okay. They're Jewish. Don't worry about it. It's Levi's. <laughs> he cut off his payas, you know, and he looked like a mensch. I mean, he looked great. And so we sent him off to Bible school in Maryland, and his parents found out where he was. Three guys kidnapped him, and he disappeared for several years. And he, he just resurfaced, just called our house a few weeks ago. 
And what had happened is parents, well, I don't want to get into the whole story, but his parents paid a doctor underneath the table to make him, you know, basically on, I mean, totally Prozac'd out, if you know what I mean. And his mom just died, and so somehow his brother told him, well, mom's dead now. The reason, there's nothing wrong with you. The reason we gave you the medication so you wouldn't run off and, and be a Christian. And he got so upset, so he called us. He just, they put him in an eight-by-eight room in Israel and just tortured him. Physically beat him up. So he's resurfaced now. Hallelujah. He was scared. I'm serious. He was scared. The reason why is because he says, when, when I tell my parents I believe in Jesus, I don't know if I'm going to live. I said, oh, I, come on. He said, no, no, you don't understand. My brother, my parents are so Hasidic, so strict, that my brother eloped to Central America with a Latino girl and was going to marry her. She wasn't even Jewish. And my parents paid the police department to have him extradited on false drug charges. They got back up to upstate New York. They paid a doctor to make him a vegetable. Now, I have a brother now that he's, he's 24 years old, and he, he wears diapers. And my parents said it's better that he be a vegetable than believe in Jesus. Excuse me, better to be a vegetable than to marry a Gentile. And most of you understand what it's going to do to me if I believe in Jesus. And so he had, you know, he had to make a decision, folks. You know, in America, we just say a prayer, you know, and... But there's other countries, other cultures that they, they're, they're, people are dying right now for the name of Jesus. And precious is the sight of those godly ones who die in the Lord's sight. So we stopped by Brownsville, and, and then the, it was a Thursday night, and we're sitting in the building, and it's a Thursday night is a prayer. And I've never been to Brownsville before, I didn't know what to expect. All of a sudden, all these youth. Over 500 youth were in the foyer being to weep and wail in supernatural intercession. It was so strong, it had the whole service stopped. Everybody turned, what's happening? You could feel something was happening. And the youth came in, and they're carrying a big banner that says the public schools. And they're weeping and wailing for what happened in Colorado. And then Pastor Kilpatrick got up and began to share that he believes. And he told the story about the one girl, I think her name is Casey. Uh, one of the blonde-haired girls that was, that was killed at, when the gunman came in, the, in the, and she was, before she was involved in witchcraft very heavily, now on fire for God, hallelujah. They asked who, anybody here believes in God? And she stood up, I believe in God, and they shot her dead right there. And Kilpatrick being that God showed him that a great awakening is coming to the North American public school system on the blood of that martyrs. <laughs> hallelujah! And that's just the blow the chauffeur at that moment at the height of intercession. I didn't even know she was blonde hair until later I looked on the internet. And I ran to the chauffeur and I saw this blonde haired girl in heaven smiling. Hallelujah. It's coming, folks. Get yeah. ready for it. It's coming. It's coming. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. You know, it's not about, you know, being at this camp or that camp. We're all in one body. Amen. And Jesus is doing something, folks. And I haven't been that touched by the power of God since 1993 Camp Minion in Louisville. Something's about to happen. I can feel it inside. Hallelujah. I'm not going to be a big mess right now. I'm one drop away from just being on the floor right now. I mean, I just, just weeping for joy. Not sorrow, weeping for joy because I know something's about to happen. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. I had this other story. In, in 96, the Lord told us, I, you remember when, when our president's wife was involved in a, 
uh, seances with Eleanor Roosevelt. Let me just tell you a story behind this. In 96, I'm in upstate New York, and it's in a church that we've known for a while. And getting ready for Sunday service, you know, so I fly in on Saturday night. It's Hyde Park, New York, you know, just in the middle of nowhere on the Hudson Valley, mid-Hudson, north of Poughkeepsie. Fly in, come to this only motel sex there is anywhere in the area. And, you know, I know the guy that works there, and just walked in, and the whole place is packed out. He said, man, we're lucky we even got you a room. I says, well, what's going on? He says, I said, what's all these people doing here? He says, Hillary Clinton is here, and this is all the White House staffers. I said, really, what are they doing here? I said, oh, they're having some conference across the street at the Roosevelt Library. I said, really? Oh, interesting. What's she doing up here? And so the next Sunday morning service, got up in the message. Right in the middle of the message, the Lord says, word of knowledge. They're not having a conference. They're, ha- they're calling up the spirit, the dead spirit of Eleanor Roosevelt. They're having a seance. And I said, hey, they're having a seance over there. That's what's going on. <laughs> what do you mean? I said, we're going now to Brother Shofar. Who wants to go with me? <laughs> Nobody wanted to go. <laughs> so this got there. Whoop, whoop. I said, Lord, expose what's happening. Not for the purpose of bringing them down, but humbling them. Hallelujah. Because I believe those who forgive much love much. The, the worst biker, the worst leftist can become the, those who forgive much love much. Hallelujah. Amen? Glory to God. And so, it's now it's, they've asked us to come blow the chauffeur at Washington for Jesus to conclude it. And it's during the daytime. And uh, there's a couple of the guys with me. I says, why, why don't we go pay a visit to the White House? I said, what for? I says, we've got some unfinished business about this Eleanor Roosevelt thing. And so we walked up to the, to the front, you know, black, bear, black you know, steel gates there and pulled out the shofars, and you can see all the Secret Service on the roof. <laughs> they all rushed out. What are you doing here? Oh, it's, it's not a protest. We're just here to pray. Okay. And just being to pray, being to blow the shofar. God, I love it when that anointing comes. Hallelujah. Now, tonight was just kind of part of the worship call. But when that anointing comes, folks, you know it. Hallelujah. That's why we're all here tonight. I can't pull anything out of my hat. I can't do it. I can't make something happen. We're all here because we're hungry. Amen. And he's going, to get, he's going to do something. Yes, amen. And so we began to blow the shofar. And as we're blowing the shofar, I see the entire upper section of the residence of the, of the White House disappear. And I saw the Lord take one little string on a beautiful tapestry and pull it. And the tapestry represented the administration trying to cover behind the veil what was happening, a cover-up. And I saw the Lord pull one little string, and eventually the string unraveled the entire tapestry. And the Lord began to expose what was happening, to humble the people. Guess what happened? Six days later, Monica Lewinsky was transferred from the White House to the Pentagon, and the cover-up began. Of course, and I believe God's using all that nonsense that went on to humble him. Hallelujah. Yeah. Hallelujah. Come on, folks. Hallelujah. Right. Amen. God, I'm telling you, the Lord wants to do something. Yes, he does. And, I, and so making a long story short, the reason I shared that is because you know, when the whole thing broke out, you know, it's August of, of, of 98, just, you know, nine months ago, whatever it is. And I'm sitting there in my living room, and he comes on TV and gives that, you know, half confession, whatever you want to call it. And when it, he turned it off, I began to weep for joy. Let me tell you why. 
Because the Spirit of God came on me, I could not sleep all night. And he said to me, it's begun. It began at the top. He says, it's now begun. There's coming waves of darkness, of hideous sin, and violence like never before in our society because the, the leader of the free world has now stepped into darkness. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. And the Lord being to, say, being to share with me, get ready, get ready, Isaiah 60. Because when gross darkness comes on the scene, at the same time, parallel comes great glory. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. And so things are happening in our society, folks, right now. There is, I'm telling you, it's not like it used to be last year. Something is happening, and we have to rise up and be the Holy Ghost napalm. Hallelujah. Okay, so this is how we're going to rise up. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 1. That's why I just shared all that as intro, you know, caviar, buffalo wings, whatever. I can sense it. Do you feel a sense in the air tonight? He wants to do something. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 1. I'll stand on my guard post. I'll station myself on the rampart. I'll keep watch to see what he will speak to me and how I may reply when I am reproved. Now notice, this is the word that God gave the prophet. It's in verse 5 of chapter 1. Look among the nations, observe, be astonished, wonder, because I'm doing something in your days. You would not believe it even if it were told you. <laughs> so the prophet has brought a word of judgment to Israel because they're stubborn. Idolatry is the sin of stubbornness. Stubbornness is the sin of idolatry. That stubbornness came over into idolatry. God brought the Nebuchadnezzar and his army to destroy the, the temple in 586-87 B.C. to level it. The prophet knows it's about to happen, but he knows he sees something beyond that. Beyond what's about to happen at the temple complex, where the glory is going to be leaving, it's going to become Ichabod, he sees something ahead in the future. Hallelujah. And so in chapter 2 and verse 1, that's what he does. He stations himself on the rampart. I'll keep watch to see what he will speak to me, and how I'm going to reply when I am reproved. So this, the, the prophet is putting himself, and we need to do the same thing in this hour. He's drawing near to God. He's placing himself in a, in a, in a position to hear what God's about to do in the future. Hallelujah. I used to play soccer in college, and I always tell young kids this. Once you get to a certain level in soccer, all soccer really is is little triangles going down the field. You're just passing between yourselves going down the field, okay? And the key to soccer in the, in the upper divisions is looking for open space. Running or passing to the open space. If you can see ahead of how the thing is developing and see down the field where the open space is, you'll win the game. You'll control the midfield. I'm trying to say the same thing now. We can control the middle. Oh, glory to God. God's about to do something. He's looking for people to stand up and see the open space to run into it. Hallelujah. There's something about to happen here. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Ho! Now it says, Then the Lord answered me. Notice his first after a time of reproof. He says, I'm going to position myself and then I'm going to hear how I may be reproved. We don't want to hear that. But we've got to hear that in this hour. Amen? Yeah. Amen? Amen? He's Alba. He loves us. Amen? But he needs to correct us. And it's mainly, it's not car wrecks, it's not disease, it's not poverty. It is mainly by his word. Right. 
And if you don't listen to his word or the still small voice, he'll hem you into circumstances to cause you to break you. You can go 40 days or 40 months uh, or 40 years. It's up to you. I decided to go 40 seconds. Hallelujah. (laughs) The first thing that happens when you come into this place is that, man, I I don't know about you, but I feel like running around this place. (laughs) Slow down, Scott. When you position yourself, what God wants to do next, be ready for words of fine-tuning and adjustment. And after those times, then the Lord answered me, verse 2, and said, Record the vision. Inscribe it on tablets that the one who reads it may run. For the vision is yet for the appointed time. It hastens towards the goal. It will not fail. Though it tarries, wait for it. It will certainly come. It will not delay. As we have traveled, we see, and there's nothing wrong with this, there's a lot of churches that have banners up that mention uh, the vision is to rise and build, you know, new sanctuary, new church building, reach their neighborhoods, sell groups or foreign missions or whatever. That's all great. But I call that the micro vision. There is an all-encompassing macro. What is the macro vision of the Bible? Verse 14, one shed light to us. For the earth will be filled <laughs> with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. This is the all-encompassing vision of the Bible. What is his vision? I believe tonight, brothers and sisters, I want to help you. I believe that if we seek first his kingdom, all these things will be added to us. If we, if we seek first, what is his desire? What is his vision? What is his long-range goal for planet Earth? And we connect into that, all these other things will be added to us. Amen? And this is the long-range goal. The earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6 shows us what is the surround sound of heaven. The surround sound of heaven. The surround sound of that place behind the veil. That surround sound that is our home. Hallelujah. And the surround sound is this. Verse 3. The angels called out to one another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of the armies of heaven. The whole earth is full of his glory. (laughs) Day and night, they do not cease to save. The whole earth is full of his glory. And we do see that the heavens declare the glory of God. The earth is handiwork. Uh, creation is full of the glory of God, except for one species, Homo sapien. God is waiting to redeem back his man into the intimate knowledge of the glory that we had before eating of that tree in the garden. And this is his desire, folks. This is his all-encompassing desire. Psalm 72 shows us the same thing. King David, Psalm 72 great psalmist of Israel who got caught up in the glory. His final words. I always, it's not how you start the race, it's how you finish the race. I always like to read what is the end of the revivals, you know? A lot of people read about how the revivals start. I like to read why they ended. So we'll not repeat the same thing. Amen? Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 
And Psalm 72 and verse 19 is the final words of King David. Blessed be his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. The prayers of David, the son of Jesse, are kaput. They're ended. Finished. David's last prayer, let the earth be full of his glory. Jesus said, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What's going on in heaven? They're looking down for the glory to come in humanity like never before. Numbers chapter 13. We see God's original intent was to bring the glory through the nation of Israel. They failed because they just squeaked too much. They just complained too much, to tell you the truth. And Numbers 13 and verse 33, they said, Oh, yeah, we know about the... God destroyed the entire Egyptian army in the Red Sea, and we came out with all this gold and silver. But we can't do it. These, these, there's giants there. And 14, chapter 14, verse 1 of Numbers... All the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, Would that we had died in the land of Egypt, would, or that we had died in the wilderness. Isn't that crazy? They wanted to go back to predictable lifestyles. They didn't like the manna. They didn't like the water coming out of the rock, or the air conditioning by air, heating system by night, the glory cloud. <laughs> they didn't like it. They didn't like it. They didn't have to go to Macy's or, you know, or uh, 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 Marshall's or whatever. TJ Maxx, hallelujah. Because their clothes didn't wear out. <laughs> you know, Ethel, I resurfaced these sandals with that camel skin about two years ago, and it's still pretty good. <laughs> and so in verse 10, all the congregation said to stone them with stones. Then the glory of the Lord appeared. I don't want to be in that meeting. I want to be on the other side of the glory. <laughs> and verse 11 is powerful, folks. Let's, let's fathom it tonight. And the Lord said to Moses, How long will this people spurn me? How long will they not believe in me despite all the signs I performed in their midst? So electricity going out, the glory cloud appearing in the beach, that doesn't... That's not signs, in, that's not, produces faith. Right? It's not, we shouldn't be looking for the spectacular. We look for the spectacular, we can miss the supernatural. Yeah. He's doing something. Do you feel it inside of here? He's, he's drawing us, he's doing something. How many people have been, God's been waking up in the mornings. He's been drawing here for more quiet time like never before. And what I see is, you know, many of us have been touched in what we call the river of God. And I thank God for it. And, but I now have the hunger now like I had back in 93. Something is capitulating. Something is stirring inside of me. And it's all these hunger pains always come before it's time to eat. Hallelujah. <laughs> and so in verse 20 is God's macro vision. The Lord said, I have pardoned them according to your word. But indeed, as I live, all the earth will be filled with the glory yeah. of the Lord. Meaning in Houstonian language, God is looking for every generation, a people's group that will believe him, that he may downhill his glory into our midst. Now the Hebrew word glory, it's the Hebrew word kavod, K-A-V-O-D. It, it, whenever the word kavod is used, it describes the manifest presence of God. 
It's the weighty presence that comes into our meetings. But it only appears in three locations. See, for years I thought, well, God's glory is like the wind. It just shows up whenever he wants. You know, we can't control it. It just comes in. Maybe if we want a 40-day fast, he'll come in, you know, like that. Or, you know, if we go up to the top of Mount Everest and try to pull down a spiritual stronghold or something, I don't know. And we do something beyond ourselves, and then his glory will come. And then it's only there for a little bit, and as soon as the worship stops, it leaves, you know. Like the northern lights, it just comes in and goes, you know. But I began to study about the glory of God. Whenever the manifest glory, the weighty presence came in manifestation, it only appeared in three locales in the Bible. Number one, it appeared at the tent of meeting. Not separate, only around the tent. Number two, the temple complex with Solomon. Don't you want to be a part of that? Hallelujah. Second Chronicles 5 and 7, Solomon finished praying and the glory came down. Now, I'll, I'll, I'll throw this in. You know that scripture we say tonight, if my people should call by my name, call by my name, will humble themselves and pray, turn from the wicked ways, seek my face, I'll forgive their sin, heal their land. Houston needs to be healed, right? And we're doing all these things, praying for that to happen. But that prayer is in the context of the glory falling in the tabernacle. Excuse me, the temple. Solomon prays, the glory falls, okay? Everybody goes home later full of happy hearts. Everybody's just sauced in the Holy Ghost. They go back to their tents happy, okay? But then God comes a second time into a dream to Solomon and says, Hey, if I withdraw my glory cloud, there's no rain falling. I'll tell you how to get it back. If my people call on my name, humble themselves and pray. Y'all look at me. Let me just, I'll just show you the scripture. Come on. Yeah. Come on, let's go there. St. Chronicles 7, verse 14. Glory to God. See, it all falls to place. When you talk about the glory of God, everything starts falling together. It's like when you study geometry and trigonometry. What do I need this stuff for? And eventually you start hitting calculus. Oh, I know. Now I know why I study that stuff. Okay, multiplication table, um, square root. Okay. <laughs> if my people call on my name, will humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from the wicked ways, and I'll hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their Land. The Hebrew word for heal, rafah, is the idea of restore, to bring back, to mend. Hallelujah. And so chapter 7, verse 1, the glory comes in. If the glory leaves, there's no blessings in the land, there's no rain, then how do you get it back? If my people come in here, humble themselves and pray for the glory to come back. That's the context here, folks. And seek my face. That's why, that's why I've been, I want to kick myself in the pants. I, for so long, have been seeking his hand instead of his face. I've been seeking, you know, blessings, uh, healings, uh, loved ones that get saved. I've been seeking his hand instead of his face. But God told Moses when Moses said, show me your glory. And God says, I'll show you, but no man can see my face and live. Moses goes, okay, no problem. That's what we had to get. That's the, that's the crucified life. We have to be willing, okay, Lord, I'm going to put this space shuttle on autopilot for the sun. Hallelujah. Until the sun's gravitational pull pulls me in, and eventually I vaporize from a solar flare. Yeah. The same thing. 
We need to forget about seeking the blessings and start seeking his faith. Glory to God, which means it, it, it's a death sentence. It really is. It's okay. Praise God. Well, we got nothing better to live for. We're just aliens here. We're pilgrims. This is not our home. Amen? Amen. Of course. We're just passing through. Hallelujah. Let's go for it all the way. Hallelujah. Who wants to, ju- who wants to join me on the bungee platform tonight? Hallelujah. I forgot to tell you as you're crawling up, there's no rope around our ankles now. <laughs> Whoa! Glory to God. Let's go back to Habakkuk chapter 2. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. Faith begins when the will of God is known. And as we're sharing these things, you're, you're going to see that it's God's will for his glory to show up. Oh, my, 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 my. Haggai chapter 2 again. Oh, excuse me, Habakkuk chapter 2. Excuse me. Let me make a left-hand turn from Haggai. Just a left-hand turn. A couple pages to Habakkuk. Let's read it again. Chapter 2, verse 1. I'll stand on my guard post. I'll station myself on the rampart to keep watch to see what he'll speak to me and how I may reply when I am reproved. Then the Lord said and answered me, Record the vision of the glory of the Lord covering the earth as the waters cover the sea. It's a central theme of the Bible. Inscribe it on tablets that the one who reads it may run. Notice, not to walk, but to run. I saw a white mist coming right when I said that. Hallelujah. Things are cooking up, folks. For the vision is yet for the appointed time. It hastens towards the goal. It will not fail. Though it tarries, wait for it. Hallelujah. It will certainly come. It will not delay. Notice in verse 4, Behold, as for the proud one, his soul is not right within him, but the righteous will live by his faith. This is the central scripture of the entire Pauline revelation. The just shall live by faith, and it's sandwiched in with the vision of the glory of God filling the earth as the waters cover the sea. I mean, if you walk in pride, you can't walk in the glory. That's right. Amen? That's good. And you can't walk in faith. Hallelujah. Now look over here in verse 14 again. For the earth will be filled <laughs> with not just the glory of the Lord, but the knowledge of the glory. Total coverage. Now the Hebrew word knowledge here is very beautiful. It's the word da'at, D-A-A-T, it's from yada. It means not just information. And we have an information explosion now, don't we? Yeah. I mean, I can get on the internet right now and find out what the price of oil is in Saudi Arabia if I wanted. I mean, I, we have so much information. And you can get fascinated with that, but miss what God wants to do. The word dot means not just information or knowledge. It means intimate knowledge. One of the first times it's used in the Old Testament is when Adam knew his wife Eve. When it was a relationship that was not ordained by God, they never used that word. When it was in a marriage relationship, they always used that word. Adam knew his wife Eve. There is an intimacy. Oh, glory to God. I mean, I can look at my wife, I know what she's thinking sometimes. She doesn't even say anything. I just know. I know when I'm in trouble. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Glory to God. I know times when she's in the room and I'm not. 
I mean, I'm in the room, and I know when, she, when I walk in the house or something, I know if she's there or not. Amen? Yeah. Now, some of you, if you're really sensitive, you can tell when your pastor walks in the, is in the building or not. Amen? There is. You, you can walk into a place, and, and if you're a part of a church, you know if the pastor's even in it's, it's down here, folks. It's not up here. It's down here. You just know certain things. Hallelujah. And this is so interesting. This word da'ad here is the same Hebrew word used in Hosea chapter 4, verse 6. My people perish for the lack of knowledge or intimacy with the glory realm. (laughs) We better read it. Come on, Hosea. Hosea 4. This is incredible, folks. I tell you, this is our society right now. Hosea 4, verse 1. <laughs> Listen to the word of the Lord, O sons of Israel. You know, I'm going to believe God one of these days we get voice-activated software running up real good, and I just speak the scripture and it immediately appears on the screen up there, you know? So people don't have to race through the rice paper trying to find it. Listen to the word of the Lord, O sons of Israel, for the Lord has a case against the inhabitants of the land, because there's no faithfulness or kindness or da'at, no intimate knowledge of God in the land. Because there's no intimacy of this knowledge, there's swearing, deception, murder, stealing, adultery. They employ violence so that bloodshed follows bloodshed. The land mourns. I tell you, America's mourning right now, folks. Everyone who lives in it languishes, along with the beasts of the field and the birds of the sky. That's why the spotted owl disappears. That's why the three-toed sloth disappears. <laughs> That's why the gray whale disappears. <laughs> Isn't it the truth? I mean, Greenpeace is fighting the wrong battle. They need to get people into the knowledge of the glory. Hallelujah. And that will stop extinction. Also, the fish of the sea disappear. In verse 6, my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. Because you've rejected knowledge, I'll reject you from being my priest. Since you've forgotten the law of your God, I will forget your children. Could it be? People say, why did it happen? It should come as no surprise. We kicked God out of the schools. Oh, God have mercy. We're reaping, folks, what we've sowed. Yeah. Amen? That's right. We just can't brush this one off, you know. We just can't, oh, that's just another, you know, another headline. After three or four weeks, there won't be a headline anymore. I'm tell- we can't. I'm telling you, folks. The innocent blood is crying up off the ground like Abel. And we've got to rise up. You've got to turn off the TV, take the batteries out of the controller, if you have an addiction to it, hallelujah. Give the controller to the Labrador, hallelujah. Guy in Allison's got a good Labrador, he can play fetch with him, hallelujah, and just spend more time, hallelujah. The average American household watches six hours of TV a day. Just shut that thing down and it starts spending more time with the Lord, hallelujah. And I'm concerned because we do a lot of traveling, and I'm concerned that we're at a crossroads right now. If this generation, my age and older, we do not get on with the program, God will use the next generation. And I don't want to be running around when I'm 80 years old trying to keep up with these young, young Joshua's and stuff. Have it now, Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. 
Back in Habakkuk chapter 2. For the earth will be filled, verse 14, with the knowledge, the intimate knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. This is the surround sound of heaven. If we, and see, what's, what's neat about John 3.16, you all know John 3.16? If you read the end of the chapter, it says those who love the light or the glory come to the light. But those who hate it, are full of darkness, they stay away from the light. And that's what's happening in the church right now. It happens in the church before in the world. God is bringing the plumb line of the glory into the churches. And those that want to hang on to sin and darkness can't hang around the glory. That's right. That's right. It's joy unspeakable and full of? Glory. Hallelujah. And so I want to be able to stay in the microwave. Hallelujah. After it's been on 30 minutes of bacon. Hallelujah. <laughs> Oh, I want to come out radioactive, shining like Moses. Now, let's just put it on a real common denominator. This is Satan's, our arch enemy's number one goal is to blind people's minds from the glory. 2 Corinthians 4. 2 Corinthians 4. Tonight, I'm just putting salt in your tongue to get you hungry for the glory. Why, why the glory, Scott? Because in the glory is the healing. Is the truth serum. Because you walk in with the glory, you walk into 7-Eleven, they won't, you know, <laughs> the truth serum's on you. Hallelujah. I don't know. I, I just give you my cost on this. Thank you, sir. Amen. Hallelujah. They walk on the airline counter and they just, here, I'll just give you first class. Go ahead. Go in the business class. Go ahead. Hallelujah. In the glory is where the finances come to. The same Hebrew word kavod for glory is kaved, same root, excuse me, which means the, somebody who's weighted down with gold and silver. Genesis 13, 2, let me turn to it, says Abram was loaded with gold and silver and livestock. Hallelujah. That's why the latter glory be greater than the former, the gold and silver is mine, because the gold and silver comes where the glory is. Isaiah 60, arise, shine. The nations will come to you. They bring their gold and silver. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. And so when we tell churches wherever we go, the problem is not finances or church growth. or It's how to get the glory in our midst and keep it here. And then that, that's a self-advertising. They will come, folks. Amen? And they will leave, too. <laughs> and they will come. <laughs> but it's okay. I'd rather have a bunch of people on hot for the glory than a bunch of yellow bellies who don't want the glory. Hallelujah. St. Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 3. If our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving that they may not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. We do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus our Lord. Is that powerful? When I read that several years ago, I was so convicted. But we're so used to preaching ourselves, right? Actually, Dali and I are coming out with a new book called The Gentle Whisper of the Secret Place. 
And we literally had a battle with a couple of the publishers. Not, they wanted to put our biography on the back with our little picture, you know, and all the things we've done and all this and that. I said, I don't want that. I want people to read the book because the Holy Spirit is telling them to read the book, not because I went to the, did this and did that and didn't do that. It's a new day in the church, folks. It's a new day. <laughs> Won't you love it? Today is day with, and all of a sudden, there's no person ministry on TV. It's just a white cloud. <laughs> Bertha, look at this. You won't believe it. <laughs> Henry, where are you? I'm on the floor, honey. Look at the TV. Look. <laughs> it's a blob. <laughs> <laughs> Total coverage. <Wow>. It's splitting. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Folks, whether we like it or not, we're moving that direction. I remember once we were in Daytona Beach and witnessing these folks, and um, uh, what we, which one thing really good when you street witness is that you always go by two by two. Always have to go in, in pairs. Because one person's job is to pray, other person witnesses. But also when you get a group of young people or a group, what you need to do is find out who is the ringleader. Find what the pecking order is. <laughs> and then usually you should separate the head honcho so you can witness the other ones. But they won't listen unless the head honcho's away. There's an element of pride, you know, and peer pressure. And so I took a couple of the ladies and pulled them aside, and Dalit's witnessing to this other group of ladies at the table, young kids. And Dalit gets a word of knowledge about this one girl and just reads her mail. And this shows how much our culture, we need a visitation of the real supernatural of God. The girl looks up at Dalit and goes, wow, you must be a psychic. <laughs> what? Psychic? And then we understood it. Our whole generation... Only they know of that realm is the X-Files or psychic. Yes. Everybody gather at the Transco Tower. The God who answers by fire, that's the one we're going to serve. Hallelujah. <laughs> at the Galleria right there in the parking lot. <laughs> oh, don't you love it? Doesn't it make you drool to think about it? Hallelujah. When you watch the Ten Commandments movie. Hallelujah. Oh. <laughs> yes, we're heading that way. But first, God had to get a hold of our hearts. He first had to irrigate our hearts with the river. He had to flush us of all of our the stuff, you know, that's in there. You know, water's a great irrigator. You know, just flush it all out. Just get it out of us. And the problem is people say, well, look at all the junk on the riverbank. Get your eyes off when the flood comes. Oh, has the debris still on the riverbank? Get your eyes off the, the weird stuff on the bank. Keep on the river. Hallelujah. Yeah. Yeah. Amen? That's right. I find stuff come out of me all the time. Hallelujah. <laughs> well, I'm not saying it's in here necessarily, but it's in that soulish compartment somewhere, you know, that I picked up along the way. Fear, hurt, this and that, you know. You know? I heard one minister once, he was praying. He, was, he used to be in a certain church before. And uh, he was praying, and, and uh, at the altar was this like, black octopus thing, you know, squid type thing. He goes, Lord, what is that? He goes, that's all your dun-dun-dun tradition. I won't mention the denomination. 
<laughs> That's all your tradition. What? <laughs> so I practice self-deliverance all the time. Come out of me in Jesus' name. Oh, folks, this may sound crazy to you, but all these bad movies I used to watch, you know, before the river, and all this stuff, every once in a while, this thing will come up, you know? And I'll say, Lord, can you remove that from the hard drive, please? Can you take that image away? And if you ask me what Friday the 13th, I can't remember anything, hardly anything about that thing. What's that? Oh, yeah, before I was saved, of course, yeah. Of course, yeah. But you understand what I'm saying? Should I preach about movies now? Or? <laughs> oh, okay. Listen. We're in Victoria. And in Victoria, there seems to be an angel that comes into services and stirs the water. And all these healings are happening now. It's, it's supernatural what's happening there. Before that happened, the Lord said, came in and said, preach a lot about movies and stuff. And, so, you know, people get kind of uncomfortable. You know, you can smell the brake pads burning, you know. <laughs> people got their feet on the brake and the parking brake at the same time. So I'm trying to help you. <laughs> yeah. And I said, listen, God told me, Okay, we've got to back up here. The Lord's leading me in a little different direction. We'll come back to this just a second, okay? Keep my finger right here. Say, I love Scott. <laughs> I'll not be offended. <laughs> the Lord told me not to watch the movie Titanic. He told me. He said to me, son... There's certain things in that movie that if you, you know, it's a little leaven, leaven is to hold on. And I know you like things exploding and, you know, and sinking and boom, but don't see it. I want you, I want you if you're going to move in my glory, if you're going to send my holy mountain, you've got to have a, a pure mind like a virgin. Yeah. Clean hands. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. And so I was a little upset about that until that healing revival broke out there and turned which we're going back to after these meetings here, driving 3,000 miles to get up there. <laughs> Five kids in a car. <laughs> Glory to God. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Anyway, so uh, before that, I was in Toronto, and uh, I was brushing my teeth. Dolly and I were getting ready for service, and I heard the gentle voice come to me. Now, why does it happen in the bathroom so much? I don't know. And that's because that's the only place we get quiet. <laughs> Long enough. But he spoke to me. He says, son, if you want to be used prophetically in these last days, you have to be very careful what you watch on TV. And he was so comforting. He says, son, I know you like the Weather Channel. I know you like to watch a sporting event and turn off the sound and put on a praise tape. I know you like to watch a bass fishing show every once in a while. I know those things. But what I don't want you to watch is what you don't know what's happening. As you slip into the sun, you get this image. Boom, a murder here. My name's used in vain here. Blasphemous word here. No, 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 no. Before you even get to the Weather Channel. 
and those images. He says, said to me, this is the rule I want you to walk by. Before, you used to put all the kids to sleep, and then you and your wife would watch something PG or something, you know, because you didn't want the kids to watch it. He says, if your little three-year-old girl cannot sit comfortably next to you, then you can't watch it either. <laughs> or, if you're, what you're watching now, and you're ashamed to show it on Sunday morning service right here, then you don't need to watch it. So, Scott, what do you do for entertainment now? Oh, glad you asked. Hallelujah. <laughs> well, we like to go soul winning, uh, fishing for men, uh, casting out devils, uh, blowing the shofar in different places, uh, uh, praying for the glory. Hallelujah. <laughs> I got to tell you one more. We have a board member named Martha, her and her husband, uh, they both doctorates from Columbia University, and she's an opera singer, and he plays the piano, real sweet people, they're in Norway right now. And I had a dream one night, several years ago, when we were in New York City, when you used to come and help us there, uh, I had a dream, <laughs> I had this dream that I'm in uh, Carnegie Hall, and she's singing, you know, she's a, she's a big lady. Um, but what happened, she's, I mean, she hated rap before, she hated she said it was just a lower culture, subculture music. She hated it. She was opera, you know. When the glory of God hit her in these revival, guess what happened to her? She sings rap now. I got a 10-pound Bible talking about revival, preach, prayer, people come to stare. Go Jesus. Go Jesus. It's well how God humbles us, isn't it? So I had this dream that we're in Carnegie Hall, you know, and she's just, it's a, you know, it's a, you know, tuxedo event, Dolly and I are sitting up in the special seating, and she's singing away, you know, and we're going, bravo, bravo, Martha, wonderful. And then after that, we appear on the, they all appear on the stage and bow, and the curtain finally drops. And then in this dream, I'm following Martha and all the stage crew and directors down to this elevator, and they don't know I'm with them. And we go into this elevator, and the elevator goes down several floors, and it opens up in the most beautiful Park Avenue suite you've ever seen. I mean, it was nice. And I'm walking with this group of directors, you know, and, and, and the crew, and Martha, and they're all walking down the hallway, and I was walking down this beautiful office as I look, and to my left are all these photos, billboards, you know, framed of old operas, you know, and, and Broadway musicals, you know, Oklahoma, Gone with the Wind, you know, and the, Starts progressing to cats, you know, and all this other stuff. Wow, this must be the place they paid for it or whatever. And look over here on the right, I see movies. I see Torah, Torah, Torah. <laughs> Earthquake, remember those movies? And it starts coming up now, and I start seeing the newer movies Terminator, Alien. That's when the dream ended, was that Terminator sequel coming up. I said, wow, this must be the place that they. The brain center, they make all these movies. And so they keep walking in the hall, and I make a right-hand turn. And I turn, go into a room, about half this size, half this section here, and behind it, it's like, it's, like, it's, it's a drafting room. It's a place where, they're, 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 it's a brain center where these things are made. And I look, and there's two tables next to each other. And behind one table is a man, he's, he's a white-collar worker, dressed in a white shirt, I am, has a tie, and he's rotting away. And I look over his shoulder, and I see he's writing the next Broadway musical. 
to the right, he's doing a critical review in, for Time Magazine about a certain, you know, uh, book that when I said, wow, this must be the guy that does all this stuff for our culture. Wow. And I looked around the other side of the table, and I went, huh! And there was a guy in a tank top and shorts, and he was tattooed from the top of his bald head to, to the top of his feet. He looked like a chameleon, like a lizard. I went, ha! Huh! And I looked over his shoulder, and he was writing the sequel to Terminator. And then I felt something occultic. And I looked up, and hanging by strings from the ceiling were crystals and amulets. And I knew inside those crystals and amulets was a demonic inspiration being breathed into these guys to infect and poison our culture, folks. And I woke up and I decided that's it. Yes. And so these are the things that modern day we have to go through if we want to enter in behind the veil. If you want to stay in the outer court, that's fine. If you want to stay in, in the, the holy place, that's fine. But I'm the kind of guy I want to go through the veil. But there's a big rip in it already. Hallelujah. Yeah. Jesus did it. Hallelujah. Yeah. And I want to live behind the veil, folks. Hallelujah. I want to live so close inside the veil, folks, that I stick my head inside the Ark of the Covenant. Hallelujah. Yes. And my nose hair, the peach fuzz, just, I can feel the tablets. I can feel the, the tablets of stone. I can smell Aaron's rod that's budded. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I can taste of the golden jar of the hidden manna. Hallelujah. And then I look up, and there it is. The glory cloud over the mercy seat. That's where I want to be. How about you? Praise God. Now, what keeps us from this place? Verse 4 of chapter 4 of St. Corinthians, as we start to wind up tonight, because the Lord wants to do some ministry. Oh. I just sense the Lord you know, said to me when, when Maurice was playing up there, I just sense he said, tell the people I love them. Tell them I know what they're going through. Tell them, just come to the meetings, and I want to show intimacies to them behind the veil. Praise God. Glory to God. Verse 4 of chapter 4. In whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving. Now, the word world here is the Greek word for age. Satan doesn't own the planet. God owns it. Amen? Amen. Satan is the God or the superintendent of this planet because of Adam's sin. But his lease is quickly running up. Amen. <laughs> Somebody get excited out there. Hallelujah. How do you know that? Because the Jewish people are coming back to Israel. There's three R's to the restoration of the glory cloud back in the temple in Ezekiel. Number one, once the glory left, there's three R's. Number one is a a return of the Jewish people back to the land of Israel. The second R, a restoration of the land. Israel today is one of the largest exporters of fruit to Europe and flowers to Europe. It's incredible. The desert's blossomed. Ho! So his lease is running out. The return of the Jewish people to the land. Number two, a restoration of the land. And number three, folks, we're between two and three right now, the redemption of the people. Yes. Suddenly, the last trumpet. Glory to God. 
God has set up that Jerusalem is put in the hearts of the Jewish people, it'll never be divided. And that's going to cause all the nations to get upset. It'll be a trembling cup. Do we live in that hour right now? Lift up your head, redemption draws nigh. So we know his lease is running up very soon. In verse 4 it says, Satan is the god of this world, or the god of this age. Now look up the Greek word for age, linguistic key Greek New Testament, and just open up a powerful event to me. The word age, he's the god of this world, or god of this age. Age is the floating mass of thoughts, opinions, maxims, speculations, impulses, aims, and aspirations of self anytime current in the world. So his means to blind people from the glory realm is all revolves around self. I'll read it again. He's the God of this age, which means the floating mass of thoughts, opinions on crossfire, maxims, speculations, hopes, impulses, aims, and aspirations of self. You go to the Galleria, nothing wrong with going there, but you'll see self, self, self. And as long as the enemy can get us around self and not on the, away from being on the cross, our crucified life, our mind gets clouded with what we need, and all we do is go around as believers, that is, and seek his hand instead of his face. But if we die, hallelujah, God, show me your glory. Hallelujah. You're going to enter into a place where light's going to come on you. The glory, the intimate knowledge of this glory, because you're now dead to self. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, folks. As long as I say dead to self, it won't matter what people offend me or what they say to me or what they do to me. Amen? And there's no foothold for Satan to come in and blind me. Glory to God. Hallelujah. But we can go on this all night, this one point right here. Let me just have a big funeral service tonight. Hallelujah. <laughs> Lord, forgive me for pampering self too much. Hallelujah. <laughs> you say, why are you talking about this? Well, we've got to get a new wineskin. Thank God for the river. Thank God for renewal. Thank God. But folks, as you notice, we're taking it with us, but there's a whole new thing developing right now. Whole new door. <laughs> And how do you get a new wineskin? The animal's got to die. <laughs> oh! Glory! Oh! We're going to conclude <laughs> with chapter 12 of Corinthians. <laughs> Verse 9, he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I'll boast about my weaknesses that the power of Messiah may dwell in me. Therefore, I'm well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties. For Christ's sake, for when I'm weak, then I am strong. Verse 12, the signs of a true apostle performed among you with all perseverance, signs and wonders and miracles. The first thing we're entering into in this apostolic age, folks, is great perseverance before the signs and wonders. How do you get great perseverance? Well, I don't know if I have time to study it, but I'll just give you a real side cue here. Each time the glory of God appeared, or there was an open heaven experience in the Bible, there came persecution and martyrdom or great riots. 
Each time there was the glory appeared, there came a great upheaval in society against it. If you look at revival history, each time there was a revival, usually a major conflict or war broke out after it. The Civil War came right after Charles G. Finney's meetings. Right after his history, World War, World War I. World War II. Right, and folks, what I'm trying to say is that the enemy knows he wants to stop this glory from coming. And if we can turn around, when he starts, he's hot on your trails, and people are persecuting you or insulting you, if you can learn to switch that around from being a tombstone experience into a stepping stone into the glory. And Paul knew this, and it says here, he prayed that this thorn in the flesh be removed. The thorn was the Greek word angelos, which means angel or messenger. It was not sickness. That's right. It was not sickness, folks. If you look in Acts 13, in man in Lystra that was impotent, he prayed for him, he raised him up, he began to walk. And the people went wild. They said, look, Paul and Silas, the gods have come down in the flesh and called one Hermes and one Zeus. And the, the priest of Zeus came out to offer sacrifice. And Paul says, no, 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 we're men like you. And with great difficulty, they restrained the crowds from worshiping or offering sacrifice to them. And next verse, this is Paul's thorn right here. The next verse says, but Jews came from Iconium and Lystra and stirred up the crowds and they stoned Paul and dragged him out, supposing him to be dead. How could Jewish people with a few legalistic arguments cause a crowd ready to worship Paul to turn in one verse? It's called a supernatural thorn in the flesh. Wherever Paul went, there was a supernatural persecution came after him. And that was Paul's thorn. And he asked the Lord three times, remove it from me. And the Lord says, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. And Paul uses a superlative, highest form of rejoicing. Most gladly, therefore... I'll boast about my weaknesses that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Now, here we go, folks. The word dwell is the same Greek word used of the Old Testament translation, Septuagint, talking of the Shekinah glory of God coming and enshrining itself in the tent of meeting or the temple complex. Paul uses this same word, which opens up a huge picture to his audience, they understood. Paul's saying, I boast about my weaknesses, the insults, the persecutions for the glory realm. Hallelujah. That the power of Christ or the Shekinah may come and enshrine itself in my mobile flesh and tabernacle like it did in the Old Testament. That's why we need to count it all joy tonight. That's why we need to rejoice, folks. The sufferings of this present time are not really to be compared with the yes. glory to be revealed in us. Hallelujah. Many people going, going through sufferings, trials, lack right now. Come on. Hallelujah. Yes. The thing to do is to worship him. Hallelujah. And rejoice. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because what the devil meant for evil, God's going to turn around for his glory. Right. Yes. Great faith comes out of great battles. Yes. <laughs> yes. Amen. Yes. Glory to God. Who? Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I got up today all prepared to spend time with God and just worship Him and say, Lord, what do you want to do tonight? Give me a revelation. He gave me one scripture. Blow a trumpet in Zion. <laughs> Meaning, sound the trumpet, tell the people, some of the testimonies that's happening, and as we
go forward what the glory of God's about to do. And remember, as we move into the glory, there'll be people that used to be your friends that will hate you. Because the light on you will expose their darkness and they'll hate you. They'll hate you without cause because we're now becoming the light of the world. There'll be others that will be attracted to the light, okay? And if you start going through situations, just, hey, just kind of all joy, rejoice. Come on. Hallelujah. <laughs> My grace is sufficient for you. Praise God. Father, I delivered what you put on my heart tonight, Papa. And Lord, as we always do, we just open up this service now, open it to whatever you want to do. We ask you to touch your people, Papa. Lord, my heart goes out to your people here because I know many of them are, have been beaten down and, and, and they've been believing you for years and things have been in a perpetual holding pattern of unfulfillment, certain prophecies and promises that they're unsaved loved ones would be saved or they're still struggling with healing in their body and the healing has not manifested or financial have given faithfully tithes and offerings but they still don't see that increase come yet and that's why they're here tonight lord they're here not to hear me they're here to hear intimately from you they're here for a breakthrough lord and you're the master of the breakthrough and lord we're all here tonight because of the three-dimensional chess game going on in heaven. Our lives have crisscrossed on the playing board of humanity. We're here in this moment. So we open up this time for you to touch and encourage by your spirit. Before we put on the tape, if anybody here, you, you do not know Jesus and you would like to get born again, cleansed, go to heaven, you feel free to stand up. Number two, if you're, you know in your heart that you're a bit backslidden, meaning you're not going forward, and you found that the cloud is moving and you want to catch up and you need prayer tonight, your heart's been weighed down with the cares of this life, perhaps you have a problem with TV, perhaps you have a problem with worry about materialism, perhaps you have a problem with different areas, with anger, there's grace here for you tonight. If that's you, don't be ashamed, just stand up, hallelujah. Glory to God. If you, need, if you know your heart's a bit lukewarm or cold, you need to stand up. We'll pray for you. Hallelujah. You can stand up anytime you'd like. We used to do the altar calls, close your eyes, raise your hands, you know. But now it's just like, just bless God. Who cares what anybody says? I know what impressed me at, at Brownsville is that people get carpet burns on their face because they run so fast and they hit the altar, they get carpet burns on their face because they know They've got to make a decision for the Lord. Hallelujah. So if you're here tonight and you, you need to make a, a fresh commitment to the Lord, stand to your feet. Bless you. Anybody else like to join our dear sister here? Bless you. Bless you. Wonderful. It's very interesting that the ladies respond first. Come on, man. I don't, I, I don't have to point a finger, but you know and God knows if your heart is in that same place. Maybe the reason why you're frustrated is because you know you're supposed to not be in that place, but you haven't made time for that place of fellowship with him. This is the time. Stand to your feet. This is the time. Praise God. Bless you. Thank you, Jesus.
bless you. I'll say one more last time. We're running out of time, brothers and sisters. The train is leaving the station. It's the glory train. I want to be in the front car. I don't want to be in the back. I don't want to read about this thing in charisma. I want to be in the center of it. Amen? Amen? I don't want to catch the next flight out. I want to be early, waiting for it to come in the gate. Amen? So that's you tonight. This is your opportunity to stand to your feet. Thank you for being a part of Rivers in the Desert International, listening to our message today to you. Perhaps you have a friend, perhaps yourself are sitting there and wondering, where would I go if I died today? We'd like to give you a great privilege of praying with us and leading you to a knowledge of Jesus the Messiah. The Bible says, if any man or woman would call upon the name of Jesus, they would be saved. The Greek word for saved is healed, delivered. It's a wonderful promise. You're there now in your automobile, perhaps at home listening. Go ahead and pray this prayer with me. Say, Dear Father, I ask you in the name of Jesus to forgive me of my sins. The Bible says, if anybody would call upon your name, they would be saved. I'm calling today, Lord. Save me. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Take all of my sins and cast them into the sea of forgetfulness. Father, I'm coming, running home to you now. In your name I pray, amen. If you'd like to contact us in our ministry, you may do so by writing us at Rivers in the Desert, P.O. Box 2788 in Alpharetta, Georgia, 30023 in the United States of America. Our ministry phone number is 770-777-0143. Of course, you can reach us anytime, 24-7, at our website contact page at www.flashfloods.com. Looking forward to hearing from you. We are here to help equip you to be tactical warriors in this hour, to wake up this church, to win and disciple lost souls, and to take out terrorism of all forms. God bless you. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Shalom, shalom. Shalom.